parsha is the Louis Nishmat Reb Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Eliyahu Halevi Zichrono Livracha. The Yurtzeit was Instead, Bet Tamus, Bet Tamus. Okay, uh, let, let's start from, let's take a look at the Pirkeia votes to remind ourselves, Ezra, the second page. I need the second page. Oh, there it is. No, that's not it. Right, but you have access, you can do it. I can, oh, I can do it, terrific. Uh, terrific. Terrific. Everything is terrific. I thought I thought uh, once I thought I would get better at this. Hey, uh, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. Masechet Avot Pirkei Mishnah Tetzayin. I'm sorry, Yudzayin. For some reason, Tetzayin appeared. I guess as a hint to me of some sort. I have to think about it. Anytime there's a machloket, you know that the, the thoughtful uh, Jews who, who were trying to understand the world in which they lived uh, asked the question. I mean, in Hasidut, uh, it's quite common. And I think even Mitnagdim asked the question. And that question was like, why do we need a world with machloket? Why is it that the world is permeated by machloket? And machloket refers to uh, practical things, political things, but also Torah. I mean, anybody who's ever tackled Gemara knows that it's just one machloket difference of opinion after the other. And most of these differences of opinion don't seem to ever get settled. They never get settled really, even though there's psak, but we go back to learning the Gemara over again and we try to understand then why did they have a machloket and why was it there? So the thoughtful people, as I said, the thoughtful people, like ask that question, why is there machloket? And why is that so popular? And why does everybody look for a machloket that he or she can be part of? And here Allah comes Avot and makes a distinction that is important for us. He says, even I don't know what that is. Anytime there's a machloket, which depends on on heaven. It's for the sake of heaven. I'm having this machloket because I'm concerned about the world that I live in. The Mishnah says, so valid kayem. At the end of days, it'll be there. It'll exist. It won't disappear, so valid kayem. What does that mean? Why would I want the machloket lit kayem? Why would I want the machloket to continue to exist? The she'enal l'shem shamayim, but a but a machloket that is not for the sake of heaven. I don't know what for the sake of heaven is, and I don't know what not for the sake of heaven means. 
Now the Mishnah itself, whoever put the Mishnah together, Rabbi Yudha Nasi, the Mishnah itself says, I know that you don't understand. So I'm going to explain it to you in a kind of a way that will enable your understanding. So give me an example of a machloket which is for the sake of heaven. Oh, so machloket Hillel v'shamay. So machloket Hillel v'shamay. That's great. Everybody knows that Hillel and Shammai were halachic antagonists. They didn't agree. Halachic antagonists. But the machloket that is not the shem shemayim, so machloket korach b'chol adato. That's the machloket that we learned about in the parsha this week. Machloket korach b'chol adato. Korach. I mean, he was still a bad guy. He wanted to take over from Moshe Rabbeinu, and he wanted to take over from from Aaron Akoin. He wanted leadership. What's it got to do with Hillel and Shammai? I mean, Hillel and Shammai were, were honest people who tried to understand what God wanted of us. And that's what halacha is. Korach, he didn't want that. He didn't want to understand something. He didn't want to argue the idea he wanted to win that's what he wanted so how does the how exactly does the mishnah compare korach vadato i mean both the opposite but there's a comparison and to the case of hillel and shammai it's two different kinds of machlokot that have nothing to do with each other. Nothing at all. But if we learn the material, we might see that I'm exaggerating. First, there's the parish of Rav Bartanura. You know that the Bartanura wrote a parish on the Mishnah. He wrote a parish on the Mishnah because there really wasn't a perush, a, a, a kind of Rashi-like perush on the Mishnah. So he wrote it. And on this Mishnah, uh, there isn't uh, a comment by the Rambam or a comment by, uh, by Rashi. So let's look at the Bartanura. Klomar. He says, what does that mean, Sofalit Kayem? Klomar, it'll continue to exist. He says, at the end, it will continue to exist. It does not refer to the machloket, but it refers to the people who are involved in this machloket. Klomar, the people continue to exist. They don't disappear. They're not, you know, done away with. For example, we remind you 
of Hillel and Shammai, Shalom Abdu. They didn't disappear. They weren't lost. Lo Talmidei Beit Shammai, Lo Talmidei Beit Hillel. Neither of them died as a result of that machloket. Aval Korach Vadato Abdu. Korach. So, so the 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 Bartanura first shot in the Bartanura is something kind of simple and straightforward. Who is Sofa Litkayem? The people in the Machloket. If it's L'Shem Shemayim, it explains to us what L'Shem Shemayim is. So then the Batanua adds, Anisha Mati, I heard another interpretation. Perush Sofa, Sofa, like having to do with the end, with the end of time or the end of, of things. Tachlita, sofa, tachlita, v'hamivukash me'inyana, what derives for us from the topic. V'hamachloket she'hi l'shem shemayim is explaining, and I want you to know that the machloket she'hi l'shem shemayim, the machloket that the Mishnah refers to, that is l'shem shemayim, right? Ha'tachlit v'hasofa mivukash me'ota machloket, the purpose, remember we said at the beginning, people wanted to know about what the purpose of machlokas might be. So he said, Sofa mevukash miyota machloket la sig ha-emet. La sig ha-emet. V'zeh mitkayem. V'zeh mitkayem. That if you are looking for the truth, la sig ha-emet, It'll continue to exist. As we have said in elsewhere, that it's the argument which will bring us to the truth. And that's the machloket of Hillel and Shammai Shahal Halacha Kebet Hillel. Now, even though we know the halacha of Beit Hillel, Beit Shammai continues to exist because halacha Beit Hillel, according to the Bartanur, I would say, is an interim position. It's an interim position. And that's why every Hanukkah, Hanukkah comes, we look at the Gemara and we see the argument between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. And we say Beit Hillel, he set up the candles on Hanukkah one, two, three, four till eight. And Beit Shammai set up the candles eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And we learn that Gemara over again, even though, even though we know that we pass it like Beit Hillel. We know that we put in the first candle on the first night and the two candles on the second night, etc. But we go back to the machloket in order to see if there's some new insight that we can derive because we know that the truth is somehow connected to both of them. And even though we paskin, even though we've determined the halakha, I have to understand halakha is an interim position. We have to say something. We have to follow some kind of rule but I don't think that Shammai 
followed Hillel's rule. I think Shammai followed his own rule. But when it comes to a machloket of Korach v'adato, after all, Korach v'adato, they weren't looking for truth, according to the Bartanura. They weren't looking for the truth. They were looking for, they were looking for kavod. They were looking for honor. They were looking for position, right? And they weren't looking for the truth. So of course we understand that if you, if the judgment that you make, if the judgment that you make has to do with kavod, with getting honor for yourself, you know that, it's not, uh, it's not truth that you seek. And so according to the Bartanura, the second interpretation of the Bartanura, meaning if you are looking for the truth and you can't somehow resolve the two opinions, right? So I mean, that's what, that's what we live. We live in this kind of idea that it'll work out at the end. We'll understand what we're doing here. We'll know what it is we're supposed to do on Shabbos and on Yontif and etc. We'll know, even when today we know that we don't know. And again, a psak, a determination of halakha, doesn't mean that we know. It means that we have agreed to accept one position over the over the other, but we still remain hopeful. And in the course of study that we take upon ourselves, it's the Gemara that remains the uh, bulwark of Torah, right? Even though the Gemara brings you back to the Machloket, but this Machloket is a wondrous thing because we're not waiting to find out who is wrong, right? The Bachloket is something that we keep alive because we're looking forward to the resolution in truth. We're looking forward to the resolution in truth. So now, having learned this Mishnah, and knowing something about uh, about Korach, let's see if it fits in to what the, the Psukim teach us about Korach. So here is Korach. Okay, you remember that Rashi makes an issue out of Vayikach. He took himself, he took himself aside. It's about him, it's all about him. Ben Yitzhar Ben Kad Ben Levi, he took a, he, you know, this is him. Also Kavod, his lineage, he was a Ben Levi. And then he took also Datan Vaviram, who are noted, noted criminals, criminal types. Bnei Eliyav, Ben Pelet, Bnei Ruvein. So that's the first Pasuk. The first Pasuk already tells us 
who who Korach was and what he was looking for. They stood up. They stood up ready to attack. And there were 250. 250 is a lot of people. If you don't have a microphone and you don't have any way to communicate to, to large groups. So this is a big deal. 250 people. They were all big shots in their world, in the world in which they lived. And that's the person that tells us what they really were interested in. That's how Rashi explains it as well. They got together against Moshe and Aaron. I mean, what difference does it make what their argument was, even though Rashi will tell us? But it doesn't matter. It was a machlokis of a personal nature. It was about kavod. It was, it was not about truth. It wasn't about the truth, it was about nothing at all. So they didn't come to say, we want to be the Kohen Gadol. We want to be the leader of the, the tribe. They didn't say that. But they said, They said to Moshe and Aaron, I mean, we could just read the words and it comes out exactly as we thought. Rav Lachem, you've taken too much. You've given out too much to the family. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was also the family of Levi. Ki kol kulam kedoshim Hashem. Now, what does that mean? Ki kol kulam kedoshim. He says, well, what does kedoshim mean? Kedoshim means exposed to God. Everybody was exposed to God. It's Matan Torah. The Torah was given to so everybody. Everybody became special. Maybe not as special as Moshe Rabbeinu, but we all agreed that Moshe Rabbeinu would, would end his reign, his regime, before they got to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Kinan. He called Kulam Kedoshim. We would like to pick our slate to run the show. Uvetocham Hashem and and Betocham Hashem is a very interesting kind of a of a phrase. God is within them, which is a pshat. In the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, it's an explanation of the beginning of the book of Bamidbar. The beginning of the book of the Bamidbar is about how the Jews camped around the Oel Moed, the tent of meeting, which was the Mishkan in that at that time. The Mishkan, right? The tabernacle. So ki means we were all at Har Sinai. And therefore we kind of have the prerequisite requirement for kind of being with God, leading the people. And you know that in order to take away that Kedusha, that godliness from the from Har Sinai and to have it work in the desert, 
we had to have a bitocham. It's only because we camped around the tabernacle that we could say that God is in our midst. It's ours. You couldn't do it yourself, Moshe Rabbeinu. Not even Moshe and Aaron could have done it by themselves. So So why are you so proud? Why do you think you're so important? We are the ones who are certainly going to continue the leadership, God's leadership. We're going to continue that. You know, there are several occasions when Moshe Rabbeinu expresses the fact that he's unable to act as a leader. He's unable to do what has to be done. Unable to do what has to be done. You know, when Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock, God told him to speak to the rock. So the Sefer Karim is a commentary. Like, oh, what's so terrible? You know, that there was a question, what's so terrible about, about hitting the rock? I mean, you, you could hit a rock all day long. You're not going to get water to come out of it. So when the water came out, everybody knew it was a miracle. So why was God angry? Why was God angry with Moshe Rabbeinu? The answer, according to the Sefer Karim, the answer is that not so... It's not only the important, the answer that is important. What's important is the idea behind the answer. So the Sefer Ikarim says, you remember Yoshua bin Nun, Yeshua was fighting against one of the cities in Canaan, the Ai, uh, fighting against them. And the day was waning. And Yoshua bin Nun know that, knew that if the sun set, they would all have to regroup, and the and the and and the chances of winning the battle seemed to be limited. So what did Yoshua do? He said, "Shemesh begivon don, the sun in Givon should stop, stop setting, and the moon should not come up." So the point that the Sefer Korim says, the point is. That Yeshua didn't have permission from God to say, let the sun stand still. But Yeshua said, this is what I need in order to win. I know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to win. And therefore, furthermore, I know that it will happen. So the Sefer Karim said that Moshe Rabbeinu sometimes became so disappointed with B'nai Yisrael or the people, the individuals, that he was not able to act as a leader. Here's a pasuk, Vaishmai Moshe. We could just uh, push in the supra, supra segmental elements. Moshe, oh, totally disappointed, unhappy that the people that he had taught, the people that he had nurtured, the people who he gave the Torah to, they didn't get it. All these people standing in front of them and thought that it was Moshe Rabbeinu's choice. It certainly wasn't. So I would say, let's look at a little bit of the Rashi. 
Vaipol Alpanav, Rashi says, Vaipol Alpanav Bebnea Machloket. We know something about Machloket. Machloket is something that you can't resolve. It was Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he couldn't say anything. He couldn't say anything that would that would be the winning hand. Rashi goes on to say this to the fourth time that the people had sinned against Moshe Rabbeinu, had sinned against God, but Moshe Rabbeinu took the brunt of it. There's the golden calf. Moshe Rabbeinu requested, begged God, To appease, to appease the people, the Midonim, that when they complained, by Palel Moshe, that Moshe Rabbeinu had to daven for them, by Meraglin, and the spies, the story of the spies, by Yomer Moshe, Hashem, Bishamu Mitzrayim, etc. So, so there were other times, by Machloket, by Machlokto Shel Korach. So this time he really had nothing to do. They were, his hands were weak. A hands to think you do something with. Moshevani couldn't do anything. It was just too much. Too much for him because it was a machloket. Machloket, it looked like the kind of machloket of Hillel and Shammai. That's what it looked like. But it wasn't that kind of machloket at all. It was something made up, something that was not reasonable. And so you see the Rashi, the pre, the previous Rashi. Rashi explains the story, but adds on according to Chazal. Uh, Amdu, you see, just to say, let me. Uh, <laughs> so you know that a talis, the kind of talis that men usually wear, although women could also wear a talis, I think. Uh, I'm not suggesting it, but I'm just saying that... Uh, Talish Akula Tchelas Bovam Duf Nemosham Rulo Talish Akula Tchelas. You know that one string of the four the four corners there are are strings that hang down from the Talis. And one of the strings is colored Tchelet, dyed. The, color of uh, purple, royal purple. It's called trellis. So they said to him, if the whole talus is, <coughs> is trellis, the whole talus is trellis, so of course, I don't think in the desert they had tzitzis or they had trellis. They didn't have the dye. 
And so the question was not relevant to anything, but it was the kind of question that if you didn't know what you were talking about, you could say either, you could say yes, you could say no. And so the story goes, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to them. What difference does it make if the whole thing is colored uh, uh, purple? You still have to put on tzitzes. So they, just a second, I think. Okay, so the people would, they said, uh, they they argued with Moshe Rabbeinu, and they said, hey, He says, if you have a regular talis, and you have one thread, one of the threads, which is tchelet, that's uh, that's enough. Isn't it possible that the, it was according to Chazal, according to Chazal, Korach Vadato not only said that they are worthy because they had the Kedusha of Har Sinai and they were part of the people that surrounded the Mishkan, not only that, but they said, and when it comes to Torah, we're not any worse than Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's ask him a question. And the question they asked him was about a talis. If you have a talis that is colored entirely with purple, do you need a string of purple in the talis? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, of course you do. Made all the sense in the world. But the people said, maybe not. Maybe not. How does Moshe Rabbeinu know that? How does Moshe Rabbeinu know that? Then they said, Rashi explains, you see, it's like five lines from the bottom. Everybody heard God speaking in Sinai. That's God. Why, why be so proud of yourselves? They say to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you take kingship, you shouldn't give the priesthood to your brother. It's not true that you are the only ones who heard God speak at Sinai. The entire population heard. So we see that Korach was about kavod and was about misleading and maligning Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what, that's what it was about. Now there's a, to conclude our investigation, I would like to, just a second. 
I'd like to mention a Gemara. I'd like to mention a Gemara in Brachot. Dab Sabach Dalet Amar Aleph. Omar Rabbi Lozor, Omar Rabbi Chanina. Okay, you see it? Did it show up? I hope it showed up. Omar Rabbi Lozor, Omar Rabbi Chanina, Talmidei Chachamim Marbim Shalom Ba'olam. So he said that we all know this quote because we say it all the time. They increase shalom. Shalom is a tough word. And there's a, a reference to a possible. There'll be a lot of shalom that comes out of your children. I'll take Ray Banaich Lidrush and says, don't, don't read it as it's usually vocalized. Ella Bonaich, those who build you up, right? Those are the Talmidei Chachamim. Shalom, Rav. A lot of shalom to those who love the Torah. They don't trip up on anything. There should be peace in your energy, the things you do. Peace and quiet in your in your castles. A list of psukim which emphasize shalom. Everything, everything is shalom. Shalom is the pinnacle, the ultimate, the best that they could be. And so it says, shalom on this Gemara, Rav Kook has stated a wonderful thing, right? In the Einaya, in the Einaya, which is his commentary on the Agadot of Shas, Rav Kook says the following: Yesh toim. There are those who make a mistake. There are those who make a mistake. Shechoshvim. World peace. World peace. You know, peace in our time. Shalom That peace means that everybody thinks the same thing. Everybody is on the same page, as they say. That's peace. In Cain, Kishoroim Talmidech Talmid Chacham, Hokrim Bechachma. When you see a Talmid Chacham, a scholar, you kind of investigate him with Chachma. Vayidei Mechkar Mitrabim Hatzadadim Lashitot. And when you look into it very carefully, you find out that whatever you talk to him about, right? There are different opinions, different sides, different ideas, everything. I mean, nothing is settled. It was more settled before you started talking to him than it is now. Shalom. 
So people say, well, why should I talk to the to the great Torah scholars? All I do is increase difference of opinion, new opinions, odd opinions. You know, uh, if you knew something, if you you could check the the tshuva literature, you would see that great scholars, great Torah scholars, keeping keep on uh, uh, indicating that they disagree with each other. They know Cain, he says. It's not true. Ain't no Cain. He has shalom ha'amiti. He says, after all, the truth of the notion of shalom. And shalom, you know, is the name of God. The only way that peace, shalom, can come into the world is if you have, if you're able to uh, uh, to conquer the the multiplicities of shalom. This multiplicity of peace, right, which is what we see all the time. They, all the different sides should be able to get together with each other. All of the, all of the uh, opportunities, the positions, the ideas that that chokma, that wisdom give us. And, and, and you have to understand that each of them has a place. All those things that seem to us perhaps to be unnecessary, extraneous, right, against the halacha. Or, sub, or deniers. When the true wisdom becomes part of what we understand, all the different aspects of that wisdom, it's only when we are able to absorb all of the differences of opinions and all the details we call hadayot, hadayot shonot, and all the differing positions we call hamikzoot, we call hamikzoot achalukot davka al yadam. It's 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 not because everything is the same, but it's because things are different. Different from each other. That's where you get it. That's where you get the emet and the tzedek. And that was, that was of course, Hillel Vishamai. Hillel Vishamai. So he has put together for us, Rav Cook, that is to say, has put together for us the idea that. The idea here. marbim shalom ba'olam. Right, that's that's one idea. The second idea 
פה מחלוקת שהיא לשם שמיים. So we have a definition for לשם שמיים. שם שמיים equals שלום. שלום equals the divine. That's God's name. So כל מחלוקת שהיא לשם שמיים, it was, oh, you want to find the truth, but you want to find the shalom, you want to find the place of God in the world of creation, the world that God created, so you could find it, you could find it if you accept the fact that the truth is in the varying positions, in the varying ideas that come out of the discussion, in the, uh, 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 once you understand all of the different positions that might be included, then you are moving in the direction, you're moving in the direction of sofalit kayem. And that sofa is what we call it, the Gemara calls shalom, shalom. And so, we have to understand that the machloket was put into the world because it's just not clear that we could understand the truth as truth. But we have to kind of get into it little by little, generation by generation, and that's called machloket l'shem shamayim. Baruch was interested in personal aggrandizement. Baruch was interested in taking over, in doing what Moshe Rabbeinu had done. And therefore, the machloket of Baruch Adato is meaningless in the long run. It has no, it has no reality at all. It's gone. It's God. Borach Vadato against Hillel and Shammai. All the best. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Be well. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Well, too.